doing today? Doing good? All right. Well, welcome to church. Uh, my name is Bethany Mills. My husband, Kyle Mills, is the lead pastor here. If you're new here for the first time, he is not with us today. He is not here, as you see on the front row. He's actually at one of the churches that he helps oversee. He is helping them this morning and speaking for their senior pastor who needed a little break with his family. So he's helping them out. So he says thank you for allowing him to do that, but he also wants me to send his love because he loves each and every one of you. And he will be back next week, have no fear. So you'll get him next week. You just got me just for today. So, <laughs> um, so yes, he sends his love. I don't know about you, but I am ready for some church today. Like I've been looking forward to Sunday all week long. So hope that you are ready as well. So today, we're not really in like a technical series right now, that, although that bumper makes me kind of want to stay, summer, elevate all the time, because I love that bumper. I love a good beat. Um, so it's so good. I love that bumper. But so my husband like tells me a few weeks ago, he's like, hey, can you speak that weekend when I'm gone? And I'm like, you know, I ridiculous. I always say yes. I'm like, sure. And then the closer it gets, I'm like, oh, dang it. Why did I say Yes. So <laughs> I said yes, and then I said, well, what's the series? And he said, we're not in a series. you got to figure out what you're going to speak about. And I'm like, oh, geez. The indecisive one in me is, like, panicking. So I'm like, oh, gosh, now i, I got to, like, really pray and figure out, like, where we're supposed to go with this whole message today. So I really, as I prayed about this, I just really felt like the story of the prodigal son is what God wanted me to share with all of you today. You may or may not be familiar with that story, but by the end of today, you will be. So... Hang with me here, but we're going to get into the message here. I believe that God is going to speak to you, each and every one of us, about different aspects of this message. Um, it'd be really easy to read through this story and think the prodigal son is the only one that we can learn from in this story, but that's not true. There are several characters within this story that we can all learn from, so it's going to be really good. So this story of the prodigal son is what is referred to in the Bible as a parable. A parable is basically a story with a biblical message attached to it. So I like to think of it as I was uh, thinking this week about this message and preparing it. I thought, it's kind of like back in the day, if you're in your 30s, you probably watched TGIF on Fridays. Am I right? Absolutely. And if you're maybe my parents' age, I won't say their age, but if you're my parents' age, then you probably watched your kids watch TGIF every single Friday because you didn't have DVR. So, like, you couldn't watch the show later. You had to be at home. So, like, you didn't even want to go anywhere because you're like, TGIF's on. Full House is about to come on. Family Matters. Like, those were two of my personal favorites. I absolutely love those shows. I still watch the reruns today, specifically Full House. I'm not a big fan of the new Full House. Sorry to all of you that love it. I like the old Full House. And even my kids watch the reruns. But Full House family matters, they always had a lesson attached to the story. You didn't know what it was going to necessarily be, although now I do because I've watched every show a hundred times, so I always know what the message is going to be. And although it wasn't a biblical message, it was a moral message, so giving us good things to live by. But Jesus was amazing at telling parables. He was so good at taking a story and applying a biblical principle to it that sometimes kind of hurt, I'm sure, when they heard it for the first time. And even to me, as I read through, it checks me sometimes and reminds me sometimes that, oh, that's kind of not who I want to be, or maybe I need to grow in that area. So in Luke chapter 15, that's what Jesus is doing here. He's telling several parables, actually. We're going to focus on the one, but in order to really understand 
the message that Jesus is relaying, we have to understand the people he was talking to. So he's actually talking to a group of people, um, tax collectors, other notorious sinners is what it says. But he is actually talking to these people who a tax collector at the time isn't like the IRS of today. Completely different. Like the tax collectors, although you may feel this way about the IRS, but the tax collectors were like scum of the earth. Like they were just not good people. They were actually known as being dishonest. They were not trustworthy people. So that's actually the group of people that Jesus was talking to here, as well as some other people as well. But during this time, the, rule, the world was actually ruled by the Romans, at least the world that they knew. So anywhere from India to England was ruled by the Romans. And if you're going to rule that much span of space, it's about 5,000 miles, they say. If you're going to rule that much span of space, you're going to have to have a big military to be able to keep people within your control, to be able to govern it. So how would you pay? How would you pay for their salaries? How would you communicate with them? If um, they needed food, how would you get food to them? How would you pay for the food? Well, you had to have money. So the tax collectors were the ones that actually made sure that this money was available. Now, the thing you have to realize, though, you won't find this in your scripture in the Bible, but if you study history, you would find that, and you probably have even seen it in movies as well, that the Roman soldiers, the Roman military, was pretty grotesque. They were actually um, pretty awful people a lot of times, but they would actually pillage a village. That's a tongue twister. Pillage a village. They would pillage a village. They would murder people. They would hang them on crosses in the village. Uh, they were raping women. They were starving people. They were abusing people, torturing people. So they were some pretty rough characters. And the tax collectors were the ones that helped them fund all of these awful things that they were doing. So if you were a tax collector at that time, people would avoid you. They would walk on the other side of the road of you. They didn't want anything to do with you. You were very much looked down upon. So that's the type of person that Jesus is talking to here in Luke 15, verse 1. It says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now, I want to point out, who was it that often came to listen to him teach? the tax collectors, the notorious sinners. I love that. I think that's awesome. So as we go on here, this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain. So these were like the self-righteous people, the religious ones, that they like knew the Bible, the first four, five books of the Bible, referred to as the Torah. They knew that. They literally had it memorized. So these were like, they knew their Bible, Okay. That's the type of people that Jesus was associating with, associating with. And those Pharisees and teachers of the law, it even says here, they were associating with such sinful people. They were disgusted that Jesus would even eat with some of these people, these people that were looked down upon so much, these tax collectors, these notorious sinners. But if you read your Bible, you'll find that Jesus often spent time. He was often spending time with the sinners, with the ones that we would say are the worst of the worst. Those are the ones he spent his time with. So how many of you know you're a sinner? I know I am. Absolutely. Every one of us is a sinner. That's why we need Jesus. But a sinner in that day was not just like, oh, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. You, it was a labeled class of people. They were the ones that were looked down upon. They were the lame. They were the blind. They were the broken down. They were the people that 
they would look at and they would think, they literally thought in that day and age that if someone was ill, whether mentally or physically, that they must have sin in their lives. And so they were labeled as the sinners. Same was true for prostitutes, for um, adulteresses. They were looked as, as those notorious sinners. They were well known for their sin. Jesus would even ask, or sorry, the disciples would even ask Jesus if he was going to heal someone. Read it. In, it's in your Bible. They would ask, well, Jesus, which one is the one with sin? Is it this man that you're going to heal or is it his parents? Because they assumed that if there was sin, that's why they were ill. That's why they needed healing. I don't know about you, but I'm real glad that's not how Jesus is with us. But oftentimes, Jesus was spending time with the sinners, with the ones that were the worst of the worst. So why is it that so many people wanted to kill Jesus when he was alive? Because he would do radical things, like sit in a group of people that were sinners, that were tax collectors, that were the worst of the worst. He would break down the cultural walls. He would break down the, the things that were the cultural norm in that day. He would speak things like these parables that we're going to learn about today. He was radical in that day. That's why people wanted to kill him, because he went against the cultural norm. In the beginning of Luke 15, Jesus shares a couple of parables. The first parable is the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the woman with the lost coin. And they all kind of have um, this overreaching same theme as we're going to hear in the prodigal son. But Go and read those when you have time. They're also really powerful, a couple of my favorite parables. But in Luke 15, verse 11, it says, to illustrate the point further, so Jesus is like, okay, they haven't got it. I'm going to give it to them again. Jesus told them this story. He said, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money and wild living. About the time he, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here, I'm dying of hunger. So I'm going to go home to my father, and I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as your hired servant. So he does that. He returns back home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him what he rehearsed. He said, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. So I wonder whether or not the son knew that the father, we know from reading the, the scripture here, that the father's heart was filled with love and compassion. But I wonder if the son actually knew that, because his plan was like, my father, I'll just be thankful if he just lets me be a hired servant. And it reminds me of the times when I was crazy as a teenager um, I haven't shared my whole testimony in a while, so I'm going to give you some parts of that today. I don't have time for the whole thing, um, but I do have a testimony, and I don't share this to glorify anything that I've done, but anytime that we have a testimony, it can help someone else. So I share part of my testimony in hopes that somebody in here today, maybe this is you, or maybe you've got a family member, a child that 
you know is living a life, because I, I was very much the prodigal daughter, we'll say. I was not a son, but I was very much the prodigal child. So this is something that I know I can speak, speak to because it's, it's what I lived. But when I was younger, in my teenage years, I would come home. I'd be stumbling across the house because I was out partying with my friends and my mom I remember one time specifically, I, I knew I had to work the next day, so I was like trying to set an alarm for myself, and I was like falling over drunk, and she stopped me, and she goes, Bethany, and I'm like, huh? And she's like, have you been drinking? And I said, no, no, mm-mm, mm-mm. Now, she knew I was lying, because parents know way more than you think you do, okay? Kids, mom and dad know way more than you think they do. So don't try and pull one over on them. And I never got away with like anything because my parents prayed a lot and I know they heard from the Lord a lot. So, of course, I knew my mom was angry. She was what I think the prodigal son would have thought his parents would be. He, my mom was very angry and she had every right to be. But what happened with the prodigal son was different. He thought that he might get anger. He thought that he might get judgment. He didn't know that his father's heart was full of love and compassion. And that's exactly why Jesus is sharing this parable, because that's how he is with us. We are all God's lost kids. Every one of us was lost before we were found. So God is always searching us out, but we all were that prodigal child at one point in our lives. He wanted each and every person that was listening to this parable and every one of us that read it after it was written to understand that the Father's love, his heart is full of love and compassion for us. He loves us unconditionally. He loves each and every one of us. But again, remember the audience that Jesus was speaking to. He was talking to the tax collectors, talking to the ones that were known as the notorious sinners. They were the worst of the worst, and that's who Jesus is sharing this story with. So obviously it had to be for a purpose that he was sharing it. So look at this here in Luke 15, 22. It says, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. So he's like, we're about to take care of you. You're gross. You're nasty. You smell like pigs, but we're going to get you all cleaned up. And then he goes and he says, and kill the calf that has been fattened. So he's like, break out the filet. We're about to have a feast. We're going to eat tonight for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother's back. He was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf, and we're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. And I can just picture, I don't know about you, but I have an older sibling. I have two older siblings. But I can just see the older sibling, because they always get irritated with their younger brother or sister. I can just see him, arms crossed, <sighs> huffing and puffing, rolling his eyes. He's irritated, and he's like, I'm going to let everybody know that I'm irritated. He's refusing to go in. He didn't want to go in the place. So his father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. So he's caught up in works. He's all about what he did. And in all that time, you've never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing a fattened calf. His father said to him, again, with compassion, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. 
we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So on the back of your message notes that are in your worship guide there, I give you one checkpoint. <laughs> That's all you get this week, but one checkpoint. So take it for what you want. And then I gave you space there to listen to what God is speaking to you specifically. So you write down anything else that you feel like God's talking to you. But this fill-in is religion will cause you to pride yourself in your faithful works and at the same time point out the shortcomings in others. The older brother was caught up. See, again, you can learn from different people in this story. But the older brother was caught up trying to hold on to something that he felt that he deserved from his father when all along the father's saying, it's already yours. You don't have to try and hold on so tight to it. It's yours. It's free to you. Yet the father, despite his oldest son's bad attitude, how many have been guilty of that? I've been guilty of some bad attitudes. Despite that, he still asks his son to join the celebration. And that's what Jesus does for us. He still invites us to join in the celebration. I mean, even if we struggle with having the right heart, even if we struggle with that religious mindset, so often we come to church, we sing, we hear a good message, we read our Bibles, but our hearts aren't necessarily tuned into what God is saying to us. We have to be listening to what it is that God is saying with, to us because if we're not careful, we operate in this mindset where we find it easy to judge others. We find it easy to point out their shortcomings, and then we start to think of ourselves as more righteous than someone else, and that's religion. That is not who Jesus wants us to be. And that, this part of the story, he's talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders in that group that, he, that are sitting around listening to him. He's reminding them, you can't have that religious mindset that you think of yourself as so good. You may know the Bible from front to back, but is your heart in tune with the Father? And we all have to have that reminder sometimes. We can't be the ones to judge. So can I encourage you in something? Leave the judging to Jesus. It is not any of our job to judge someone. It is our job to speak the truth in love. And there's a right place and a right time and a right way to do that. But you have to be careful. If you don't even have a voice in that person's life, then you're just going to be coming off as judgmental. So we have to be careful that we don't come off as the judge and jury for someone. But that we remember we have to take the road of humility. Remember that you too, I too, need God's grace. Every single one of us do. Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friends, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So be careful about pointing out the shortcomings in others. You have plenty of your own. So focus on your own. There's a saying, mow your own backyard. Yeah, mow your own. Don't be worried about your neighbor's tall grass, okay? Worry about your own. We have to be careful of that. We do have that responsibility of speaking the truth in love, and that's important. But again, there's a time and a place for that. What we should do, the best thing we can do, is point people to Jesus. Because when we point people to Jesus, that's where the Holy Spirit can come in, and he does the work in their lives. We can love them, we can encourage them, but he's the one that will help them see the areas 
where maybe they need a good amount of conviction. Maybe they need some adjustment in some areas, but it's not our job to try and get them there. Let him do the work. You just be there to love them. You be there to encourage them along the way, to give them a scripture to help them along the way. Love them. Remember what the beginning of Luke 15 says. Sinners often came to hear Jesus speak. I love that. I think that is a beautiful picture of exactly who Jesus wants us to be. Because of the love of Jesus, that love that's within him beckons the sinner to him. If we love people, it will beckon the sinner to the Father, not to us, to the Father. Everything we do points people back to Jesus. When you get focused on a person, that becomes an idol, and that's not good. None of us are perfect, so be careful that you're not putting someone on a pedestal, but you're pointing people to Jesus. He's the one. He, if we live a life like Jesus, then the sinner will be drawn to you, and it's in him that we can then point people to Jesus. It's through him that the conviction will come. It's through him that the change will come in their lives. We have to pray for that person, that God would be the one to help them to grow. So you know what we should do, though, is live like Jesus. Be an example of what a man or woman of God looks like. Live a life that's pleasing to Jesus. Watch your mouth. Watch the, the heart. Everything that comes out of our mouth, the Bible says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's going on within our heart is going to come out of our mouth. So be careful about what comes out of your mouth. We all need the grace, but you'll never go home until you want the grace, until you realize you need the grace. Until you realize you are nothing without his grace. We all need his grace. The prodigal son asking for his inheritance before his father's death was basically like you going to your mom or dad and saying, I know you're not dead yet. I kind of wish you were. Just give me my money. I just want what's mine. It was the act, ultimate act of dishonor. And in culture in that day and age, like that would have been awful. That was like a knife to dad's heart. Awful. And I know that we're in church, and this may shock you. Um, maybe it won't. <laughs> but I had a long season where I did a lot of dishonoring my parents. And I alluded to just a little bit of that a few minutes ago. But I turned my back on my parents. I turned my back on my family. I turned my back on God. I grew up in church, but I didn't really have a real true relationship. I had religion, I had religion that taught me to, to follow a list of rules, but I didn't have a real true relationship with Jesus until 2005. But I rejected God. I intentionally turned my back on him, and I can't imagine how much that had to hurt my parents to dishonor them. And the words I said, the way I behaved, it was dishonoring to them. But more than anything, how much that had to hurt my father in heaven, his heart, but you know what my parents did? They received me back like nothing had ever happened. Not one thing have they ever said to me to condemn me, look down upon me. They just kept praying for me and waited for the day that I would come home like the prodigal son. And that's exactly why Jesus is telling us that story because that should be all of us. Whether or not even they're your kid, that we pray for those who need the Lord. We pray for those that are far from him. And then we be ready arms wide open to receive them back because they're going to come back. They absolutely will. One of my favorite songs right now is by Danny Gokey. I love me some Danny Gokey. He's like one of my favorites and my kids love Danny Gokey. 
but the song is called Haven't Seen It Yet. And I love the song. As soon as I heard it, I thought it was powerful. Such a good song. It's not a worship song, but it's definitely an encouraging song. It's such a great song. But the music video that they made for it is really powerful. And it tells a story of a daughter who's run away from home. And her father longs for her return. He prays for her return. He hopes for her return. She's out on the streets. She's trying to get enough money to survive. And she is approached by Danny Gokey, who in the story, obviously, he's not necessarily Danny Gokey. But he's a, she's approached by him, and she had lost her jacket in the midst of kind of like this scuffle. And he takes his jacket and puts it on her. And the moment that he does that, she remembers the times when she was little when her dad would do that for her. And it's just like the story of the prodigal son, that God puts people in our lives that'll sow seeds, that mom, dad, brother, sister, you may not see the fruit of that seed yet, but somebody's sowing seeds. And be that person, because God's going to help them remember that they, they need to come back to the Father. Maybe they've never had a relationship with the Lord but you be the one that they're, they're going to have a place where they can come, that they, they know is going to be safe, that's going to accept them without judgment, without criticism, but that's going to point people to Jesus. That's what we are all supposed to do. And I, I love that video. I, I sat there the first time we listened to or watched it on the TV. My daughter had already seen it, and she knows I like stuff like that, and I love Danny Gokey. So she's like, we should watch that music video. So I put it up on the TV, and we were watching on there. As soon as it started, I was like, great. This one's going to make me cry. And I literally said that out loud, and the whole time she kept watching me, and she's like, are you crying? Yes, stop making fun of me. So it's just powerful, and it, it hits me because I know, I, when I see videos like that, it, one, it reminds me of where I was and makes me thankful of where I've come from, makes me thankful of the, the person that I was is not the person that I'm in today. But not only that, it makes me think about those that are in my life that I know are still in that place. They haven't quite got there yet, but I'm not giving up on them. I'm still going to keep praying for them. I'm still believing that they're going to come to know Jesus one way or another. So like I said, I gave my heart back to the Lord or fully over to the Lord in 2005. Leading up to that day, I actually was just at home. I wasn't even in a church setting. I was at home. Um, in an apartment I shared with a friend of mine, and God began to, to talk to me actually through a song. It was on a secular radio station, but it was a Christian song. I don't know if you ever heard of the group Switchfoot, but uh, back in the day they had a song. It, the song was called This Is Your Life, Are You Who You Want to Be? And listening to that song, I, I mean, I hit my knees in my bedroom, and I looked at myself, and I said, no, this isn't who I want to be. And I know it was God dealing with me, but leading up until that point, God put people in my path that were sowing seeds. And that's what all of us are to do. We're to sow seeds because we're all ministers. Every single one of us in every aspect of our lives, we're ministering to people that are around us. But there is a couple different people who I remember vividly. One of them, his name was Brian. And he worked at a restaurant that I worked at. And he, uh, he was actually also a worship pastor at his church, but he worked at this restaurant on the side just for some extra money. And he knew just a little bit of my background, but he was always speaking truth to me. And he would say things like I would come in, you know, half hungover, and he'd say, Bethany, you know you have a purpose. Why are you living like that? Don't, is that who you want to be? You, that's not the person that you know you're supposed to be. And he always spoken in love. It wasn't ever, it never came off judgmental to me. It always came off 
kind and loving. And I could see the compassion behind it. He never was looking down on me. He wasn't judging me. He was doing what we all should do. He was sowing those seeds. He was speaking life into me. And there were others along my path as well that I would encounter in some of the weirdest situations. I know that it was the prayers of my mom, my dad, my sister, that they were continuously praying for me. And I would come and be met with people in the most awful situations that I fully believe were angels that would just come into a situation and they would say something to me. And I would think, no, I'm not living right. And it took me a while. It took me a while to surrender. It took me a while to, to quit living like I was. But then when that, when that day came, I knew I could turn to my family. I knew I could turn to my sister. She was actually my very first phone call. I called her and asked her what she was doing, uh, if she was going to church on Sunday. And she's like, yeah, why are you asking? And I said, I'm coming with you. And no questions asked. Okay, this is what time it starts. And then she immediately said, there's a small group. We get together every Monday night. They're people our age, you should come. And I came and I stayed and I kept staying. And it was just the beginning for me, but God continued to use the people that were around me to speak life into me. And so I shared that because I, I believe there's some in here today who maybe you have that family member. Maybe it's your son or your daughter. Maybe it's a sibling. Maybe it's an aunt or an uncle. Maybe it's a coworker who's far from God. Maybe they have never had a relationship with the Lord and you've been praying for them. Maybe they did have a relationship at once in their life and they were like me and they turned their back. They walked away. They said, I don't want anything to do with that, like the prodigal son. And they walked away and they said, I'm, I'm going and doing my own thing. Don't give up on them. Don't give up on them. If, the Bible tells us that even if one person gives their heart to the Lord, that all of heaven rejoices. It's one of the, the best things here on this earth that we can do is to point people to Jesus, to remind them that they need him in every area of their lives. We all need him. We have to plant the seeds, keep planting the seeds of love, of mercy, of grace. Be the person that's so in love with Jesus that people see a difference in you and they're not attracted to you, it's the Jesus that's in you, that they say, there's something different about them. There's something that, that draws me to them. That's the type of person that we should be. It's so easy in this day and age, we get caught up with just going to church. We get caught up in doing this thing called the Christian life. And we forget that the real message of Jesus was exactly the stories that these parables tell us. That we're to seek and save those who are lost. We're to get out there and be the hands and feet of Jesus, to draw them in, to point them to Jesus, to beckon the sinner to the Father and be praying for them and never giving up on them. Just like Jesus did, I promise you that if you live a life that's different, it's gonna be attractive to people. They're gonna see that difference and they're gonna want what you have. Jesus was sharing this message, yes, to the tax collector who was the worst of the worst. I've been that worst of the worst. If I was in the Bible days, I would have been labeled as those notorious sinners. That's what I'm talking about when I say I had it quite the past. I was not a good person, but his love still was there to meet me. He was also talking to the sinner, just like me. He was talking to the religious. 
who thought of themselves as more righteous than someone else. Every one of us can learn something from this. Maybe it's just a good reminder to us. Jesus knew that each of them needed the message and each of us need this message. That's why he told it multiple times throughout this chapter. None of us were without sin. Psalms 103.3 says, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could, who could stand? I know I couldn't. There's no way I could stand. So be careful that you don't think of yourself as so righteous that you begin to become religious. You don't want to be religious. Jesus didn't die. He didn't come and die so that he could bring religion. He came to bring relationship. And if we're not careful, that religious mindset puts a block in between us and the sinner. We don't want to live that way. We want to make sure that they know that we love them despite their flaws. The father will do anything to get the children back home. And Jesus will do anything to give it all to you today. He wants to give it all to you. That's the thing that even, even though he walked away, even though the prodigal son walked away, technically he, he took all that was due him. He took his inheritance when he left. But then the father still lavished love on him when he came back home. He still put the robe back on him. He put the sandals back on him. He put a ring on his finger. Like these were all amazing acts of love and acceptance of saying your inheritance is still here. Even though you squandered it, you're welcome right back into the family. I'm gonna welcome you with open arms. He doesn't wanna hold anything back from us this morning. So I would love, I wanna pray for a couple groups of people here today. But first off, um, if you would just close your eyes and bow your head with me. First off, I wanna play, pray for, maybe you have a son or daughter in here, maybe a family member, a close friend who's been running from God. Maybe they have never had a relationship with the Lord and you've been believing, or maybe even in this message, the Lord brought their face to you and you're thinking they need him. And maybe you're getting frustrated. Maybe you feel like the, that you've been sowing seeds and you're not seeing the outcome that you want to see. I want to pray for each and every one of you this morning. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand? That's awesome. You can put your hands back down. So Father, I speak over each and every person that's represented, whether they raise their hand or not. Lord, you know the hearts of each and every person. And Lord, I ask that you would use this message to maybe ignite something within us to remind us that we need to be love, the love of Jesus to every person that we meet. Lord, I speak over those prodigal sons, those daughters that have been far from you. God, beckon them home. Help them to see that you are waiting full of love and compassion. You just want to embrace them again. Lord, bring them home in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God, for using each and every one of us to sow the seeds, whether it be coworkers, friends, family, that we're going to do exactly what you have taught us, and that is to love the ones that are the worst of the worst, the ones that nobody else wants anything to do with. We're going to love them right where we're at, and we're going to love them until they come to you, Lord. And we thank you ahead of time for having your way in them. I thank you that I have confidence, Lord, that there's going to be people that are going to see a change that is happening in their friends and their family. We thank you ahead of time for it, Lord. I also want to take just a minute, I want to give you an opportunity, maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus and you're sitting here thinking today, like, I need 
what she's talking about. I've never had that. Or maybe you're like me and you were like that prodigal son, that prodigal child that walked away from God and you're, you need to come back to him. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? That's awesome. Amen, amen. You can put your hands down. This whole Jesus thing, maybe it's new to you. I promise you it's not overcomplicated. It's actually quite simple. The Bible tells us that if we believe with our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead, that we're saved. So I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. If you want to do that, then would you just follow along with this prayer with me? It's actually not so much about the words you speak. It's just about the heart that's behind it. Would you just pray with me? Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for raising from the dead for me. Help me to become the person you want me to be. Help me to be a strong man and woman of God. Thank you, God, for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen.